Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you are attending the 2019 AMSA convention and exposition, Inside the Boards is going to be there. It'll be me and Chase. We'd love to meet you, connect, and say hi. So we look forward to seeing you there. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. And now here's your host, Patrick Beeman. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. I am co-host Patrick Beeman, and this is Stuart Bryant, our third-year medical student co-host, producer of the show my partner in this endeavor. Stuart, how's it going? Uh, it's surviving right now. Uh, coming off a solid 24-hour uh, call is nice to, you know, get done with that and record at a podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know I mean, you're used to that, though. Oh, you never really get used to it, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, having done it uh, and getting it over with and, and learning to manage and deal with it, is probably a, a good topic for another uh, podcast at some point. But for sure, uh, today, today our focus is to continue the long overdue uh, step one post mortem series that we're doing, uh, where you focus on uh, telling us what you learned in uh, your whole step one preparation uh, throughout the first two years of med school, but especially in that dedicated prep time a couple months before the actual test. Yes, it's November and you <laughs> took the exam in, what, July? Yeah, well, um, late June, man. Le- Oof, Feels like forever uh, ago. Time flies. Yeah, I, yeah, for real. And like literally now I had to turn around and start studying for the next one. The nice thing well, about step two, though, you don't have to like if you're studying for your blocks, then you're studying for the exam. So. Yeah, that's that really is a beautiful part that you have a mini step two with each shelf exam. Um, and we're going to be doing a step two study smarter series if we haven't already started it uh, uh, with this being recorded in uh, uh, first half of November. So check that out on the study smarter series channel. Just go to inside the boards, study smarter, search on any of your favorite podcatchers and you will find us. Uh, all right. And it's going to be awesome. In, 
right? Oh, it's, it, <laughs> yes, it, it's going to be so awesome. Um, listening to the podcast alone, we can guarantee you will score on the 99th percentile on your shelf exams in step two. Or, or wait, no, we cannot guarantee that. That probably will get us in trouble. But we're pretty sure it'll help you, to say the least, right? Yeah, please see the disclaimer. Yes, uh, in the show notes. So what are we covering today? So, uh, you know, originally I thought we could talk about what I did for an episode, and then we could talk again about what I would do differently. But, you know, really looking at it... Um, and in hindsight, I think we can probably condense that and just talk about all of that together. Uh, what I was doing, what you could be doing when you're setting up to study for your exam. Uh, and here's some tips to maybe make it a little less painful for you, depending on your method, right? Yeah. So tell us, what what did you do when you were um, thinking about step one and especially during that dedicated prep time? Yeah, exactly. So just leading up to the dedicated uh, prep time, I was finishing up my UWorld, uh, trying to get a first pass done before that happened. Um, you'll put that off if you try to start early, though. Uh, unfortunately, I think I ended up doing like six or 800 questions of UWorld in the last month before my dedicated time. And I really don't recommend that because you'll end up, uh, you'll, you'll remember those questions as soon as like you hit reset, you know? Um, yeah. That's a solid chunk of that uh, Q bank. But anyway, that's what I did. And I usually, on a day to day basis, I'd be getting up early, uh, knocking out block after block of UWorld. Um, anywhere between blocks of 10 to blocks of 40 questions and reviewing and them. And you're saying this was prior to the dedicated prep period, so like throughout second year? Oh, man, this is right when I got started here, yeah. Well, let's go back then. Sure. Um, I know you started uh, doing like question bank sort of uh, work uh, basically the first month in <laughs> first year, right? To some extent. Um, but in second year, you got more serious about things. Um, but you use it as a way to study for your preclinical uh, coursework and in-house tests you'd be taking. Um, do you recommend doing that? Absolutely. It, and how did that look? I, I mean, you still have to learn your own material, right? You're courses are going to have whatever they want you to learn. But, you know, uh, throwing in, there are a couple of resources out there that are free. You can get access medicine, maybe through your school or like WebPath. Um, my school had exam masters as well. Uh, uh, you know, some of these are better than others, but finding any little bit of questions that you can do um, really helps put you in the mindset for when you get to the test. And I found that if I were going through all those questions, I would be, when it came time for the preclinical test for my med school, I'd be pretty prepared. Um, yeah, I, and that's, I think what we've been saying is probably one of the most frequently cited pieces of advice uh, in the two plus years we've been doing this podcast is questions, questions, questions. Right, right. You've probably heard it from uh, most of the people we've also interviewed on this show, uh, but it, it really is key. And I mean, 
not delaying your familiarity and learning about how uh, multiple choice questions are approached, uh, constructed uh, within the context of a standardized exam in medical school is is absolutely paramount to your success and being able to navigate and plan for how you're going to study during your dedicated prep time. So when practically did you actually start going through UWorld? Because I think you did that one first uh, prior to dedicated. Definitely. I think I'd say I'd started it in September-ish. I was doing probably, you know, five or 10 questions here and there, not very consistently. And that's something that I would change. You know, now you definitely, you know, there's, 24 or some hundred something questions in it, you got to nail those before it's time. So you're not caught doing those 600, 800 questions at the end. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's an option, but you also did like 14, you pretty much went through all of the Q banks that exist, right? <laughs> I tried, I did not succeed, <laughs> <laughs> but you did actually go through a lot of, uh, USMLE RX and Firecracker, right? Oh yeah. So I probably knocked out UWorld twice, uh, RX once and Firecracker once. Um, okay. And do you feel that, uh, each of those did a pretty good job of, uh, just, I guess, solving that point about learning how, multiple choice questions are constructed and, and becoming familiar with incorporating uh, them and their discrete learning points into your own understanding of the basic sciences that you were learning during second year? Yeah, I mean, they each had different, you know, pros and cons. So UWorld ends up being a little bit too abstract. It, it's going for like these very uh, fancy, you know, multi-system problems and like really nailing like the one key thing that they want you to know. Um, Is that tracker, a problem if you haven't completed your first two years of coursework? It can be, you know, so what, what you'll do is you'll do those questions and you'll be like, this isn't, this is too in depth for what I need to know or you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, some of them you'll be like, that's not going to be relevant for my test. But what will happen is if you do them, on your test, uh, you'll probably think that the questions are a little bit easier than what you've been practicing with, you know? And there are only so many questions that teachers are really asking about certain sets of material anyway. So I think it's a good thing to do regardless. Um, Firecracker definitely hits more of like the uh, minutia. So like have the same vignette and change like two or three words and now it's a different answer. Uh, it'll really help catch you on that kind of problem. Um, and then first the RX QBank's just great to integrate first aid. So I had a problem where I did not do a good job, uh, using first aid. I thought I would use it, um, throughout my second year and then I didn't. And then I told myself, you know what, I'll use it during my dedicated. And then when it got to be dedicated, I turned around and was like, well, I don't really have time to go through this anyway. Um, and knowing that first aid is really just like a, a quick review of something and not like a detailed textbook in any sort, um, you know, you can get away with that. You know, there are many a times that you'll do questions in the RxQ bank and you'll go and look at the first aid page 
And there would be no way you would have gotten the answer just by reading that page, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I would say, if practically there were two things you could do to uh, make step one less intimidating and get through uh, really internalizing the content that you learn in the first two years, it would be number one to get a copy of First Aid as soon as you can in uh, your first year. And I guess go through and annotate that um, with the content that you're learning uh, in classwork. Uh, not detailed, but like at least look at it before, you know, each of the tests. Um, you know, if you got a biochem test coming up and it covers uh, molecular biology, uh, go through that portion within first aid and maybe write some of your highest yield notes or your own mnemonics in the margins uh, so that uh, you're prompted very easily uh, in reviewing those things, uh, you know, a year and a half later or, or whatever the time is. And then the second would be, I, I don't know if I'd get a QBank necessarily the first year. I think it's a good idea. And, and really anything that is showing like appropriately constructed multiple choice questions for step one, if you can do like incorporate, I don't know, even just like 50 total questions from that subject in your preparation for each of your particular school-based exams, that is probably one of the best things you can do to situate what you learn in school within the context of the exam that will be your first step in getting your medical license. Right, for sure. And and to, to like go off of that point, you know, there are all of these very subject-based uh, question books that you can find. Those That's are perfect too. for your coursework. If you pick up a pharmacology Q book and work through that in line with your your questions or your material, like that's going to really set you up for success. Yeah. And, and on that particular note, just because it's so good and I loved it, the uh, Katzing and Trevor Pharmacology Examination Board Review book, if you're particularly looking at pharmacology, that is such a succinct high yield review for step one and to understand some of the more complex points of farm. Plus, it has a bunch of practice questions uh, that are pretty much USMLE style, although I haven't looked at it in probably like a year or two, but I'm, I'm sure that those would suffice. Exactly. But definitely don't exclude the questions and say, oh man, that's just, I already have too much to study and whatnot. Force yourself to learn the material. Yeah, there's our takeaway point here. <laughs> Force yourself to learn the material that you have for your schoolwork and for your tests at school within the context of the larger complete basic science learning objectives that are included within the step one portion of the USMLE or, or Comlex examinations series. Do that before your dedicated prep time. All right, so let's then get into what happened when you actually buckled down, didn't have schoolwork, and all you were doing was studying for step one. How many weeks did you take, number one? I took, I think, six weeks. Yeah, basically okay. six weeks. I think that was probably more than I needed, but during those six weeks, I'd be waking up doing the same thing every morning. Getting up. All right, so eating. walk us through it. <laughs> yeah, so I'd get up usually like seven. You know, I'm I'm kind okay. of a late riser. <laughs> uh, okay, so you get up at seven and then probably spend uh, that next can... hour just like doing breakfast, getting showered. I would meditate 
like daily. I have fallen off with that, but during my dedicated period, like that was what I was doing. And then at eight okay. o'clock, sit down at your computer, hit this dreadful button that says start exam. And then I'd run through a block of questions. Um, how many? So it varied. I tried to like build up the number as time went on. Um, but you'll find that you're just going to get so drained. But the goal initially was about 200 a day. Um, wow, that's that's pretty ambitious. It was. It was probably too ambitious. And there were many a day where I made it, I you know, ended up settling for like 150. And that seems to be a little more reasonable. The key there is you need to be getting a lot of these right, though. I think <laughs> if you're getting a lot of these wrong, you're going to spend way, way more time uh, reviewing those answers. And that's why it's kind of key that you've gone through some of this material before, right? Um, yeah. Well, did you um, like, all right, you doing a hundred and, you know, let's say 160 because it's simple. Exactly. Um, Which did is you the do most like, common number I did. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, like, does that mean from say eight to noon, you did uh, four blocks of 40 questions, like straight through without reviewing any? Um, did you have a method? So, yeah, my method was kind of all over the place, but the one that I settled on and the one that I'll recommend anyway is I do a 20 minute or 20 minutes for 20 questions. You're getting given 30 minutes for a block of 20 questions, right? So usually I knock it out in 20 minutes. Then I take like a 10 minute break and try to use the next half hour to finish up reviewing those questions as well. After that, you reload and go again. So in the morning, you have four hours, maybe you can knock out 80, you take a nice lunch break, you rest, you do something to keep your head sane, and then you start back up again in the afternoon, right? Okay. So you, you did not just do like all the questions um, in, in kind of a simulated exam sort of way, uh, well, block Exactly. So I would do half blocks. And the re the reason being is it depends on how many questions you're getting wrong, because that's going to take a lot of time to review. If you do 40 questions and you need to review 20 30 or 30 of them, you're gonna, that's going to be, you know, at least two hours to solidly get through that review. Um, and I didn't want well, to put myself in that situation. Right. So so what I think is maybe underutilized in a systematic uh, sense is to use the flag option in most key banks um, and, and flag those where your confidence was either uh, really low um, as you go through uh, those exams, because you're probably going to want to review both those things you were uncertain on because maybe your, uh, uh, correct answer is, uh, even, you know, a bit of a guess and understanding why that question is the answer you put versus the other one you were exactly. torn between choosing. Exactly. And that's as, exactly as well what as the I wrong did. Ones. I, if I looked at a question and I was down to two options or three options or maybe five options because I'm just like that clueless. I'm definitely going to flag that question and figure out what in the world is wrong with this question from the way I'm reading it. So I make sure to review that. You know, if I didn't flag a question and I got it right, maybe I only read the objective on that. 
question. Yeah. Um, yeah. The ones I'm getting wrong, the ones I've flagged, those are the ones I'm really looking at. Um, yeah. And, you'll and, that, get more, and that makes sense. You'll get more right than you, you think if you've done it before. And you'll be surprised how many you, you kind of remember the idea of what's going on. And that's learning. You know, you hopefully, you know, your, your second time through, you score a little higher, right? Um, yeah, hopefully. So I would <laughs> do that, you know, trying to review those questions, flagging the ones that I wasn't sure. And maybe it was just like a weird finding that I wanted to see if they had something written about. Like, then I would flag that too, just to like cue me in to look at that question real quick. The other option that I think a lot of um, people who uh, mentor others through the whole examination process, uh, the thing that they bring up is, is you could, um, you know, dedicate three, four hours to just going through questions in a block um, as the exam sets them up uh, to also kind of get that benefit of building stamina. That's kind of what I did. I was pretty intimidated by the length of the exam uh, because philosophy major, you know, we'd have like an hour exam and I'd write an essay and then boom, I'm done. And so studying was, was, you know, different within the context of my undergrad years. And that's the case with a lot of people as well. But then you have like this eight hour exam <laughs> on one of the steps or a two day exam. If you're taking step three of the USMLE, uh, which aside, I think the, you know, the uh, NBOME does better uh, by having step three be just one day, but that's neither here nor there. Um, what do you think about that approach? Uh, so that definitely gets into a part of what I did. So just for reviewing questions, that's one way to do it. But you also need to be like testing yourself in like the time setting. So at least once, maybe even twice weekly, I was running through like a full block of maybe 200, at least 160 questions in a test taking kind of scenario. Um, so to where I was sitting down, not taking, you know, breaks other than to other than like you would for the exam and knocking out those questions. I did all of the MBMEs, the we had to do the comprehensive basic science exam firecracker if you go to their dedicated test mode they will have they will send you like a weekly assessment of 40 questions the rxq bank you can set aside maybe 160 or however many questions you want um the mbme sample exam is a good sample exam is a good one as well and part of my school's requirement was that i take the uworld self-assessments one and two back together um, in one day within two weeks of taking the test. So mm, that's smart with all, well, I guess their, their statistics say that like, if you average those two scores, like you get a good idea of like where you're going to fall. Their standard deviation is 15 from that number. So that's actually pretty big. That's basically the standard deviation of the entire exam. So I don't know how much power there is to that, but anyway, I did that. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You get, you get through four hours of going through questions, reviewing the answers you got wrong or the ones you had uh, some low confidence on, and then you took a break, right? Exactly. I'd have like a solid lunch break. You know, I, I'd take my time, cook something, just kind of mess around for a bit, you know, listen to something, watch something, whatever. So I'd have an hour for lunch, and then maybe I spent the next like 30 minutes to an hour just doing something um, to clear my head. And then I'd so you, chug so it. So you took again. like a, an hour and a half or two hour break in between <laughs> your morning and PM sessions? Yeah, I know. Well, no, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad. You just have to figure out what works for you. Exactly. And usually I would burn out so much that like that was what I felt like I had to do or it would end up just working out that way, even if I had planned to get going. And I kind of had my day recorded to the minute or to the like half hour in like an Excel sheet, which I would recommend doing well before your dedicated prep because it just helps keep you working instead of because you always know what you need to be doing. But because of that, you know, I, I just gave that time to to me to clear my head and kind of make sure I was ready for the next block of questions. And most of the time, I still wasn't feeling ready, but uh, you had to chug through, right? Yeah, I guess that brings up a good point, uh, uh, an obvious thing we, we should mention too. Prior to your dedicated prep time, uh, some Excel spreadsheet or other way of um, uh, you know, planning your, uh, time, making a schedule for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever time you take for dedicated prep time, um, is, is probably a really good investment. Exactly. And that comes down to like doing a few of those questions a day and getting one of those Q banks finished to go off of that, you know, with doing one of those beforehand, I really think it would be useful to do, you know, take a couple notes on them. Uh, one of the things my school really wanted to promote was taking notes. Uh, if you can imagine if I'm trying to do 200 questions in a day, I don't have any time to take notes, right? I don't have time to look it up in first aid unless I'm consistently getting it wrong. I don't have time to like go watch a sketchy video or a YouTube about it. I just have time to do the questions. If you nobody were, got time for that. Yeah. Uh, so if you took some time to maybe you know, have a couple notes already prepared from when you were studying for your classes, um, then you might be in a better position to review those or pull them back out when you're in your dedicated prep. I, I guess most people probably take notes. I am one of the people who don't take notes, so that's probably where that faults for me more. So that shouldn't be a problem for everyone, I imagine. Yeah, so comes to about like 1.30, 2 o'clock each day. Um, and then what was your afternoon like? Repeat, rinse and repeat, you know? So I'd sit back down, do another block of 20 or 40 or whatever. Again, I did them timed because usually I'm a pretty, you know, I take about a minute to take que- to answer questions and I didn't want to lose that pace. Um, 
just because I wanted it for the exam. And then on the exam, I held that same pace, which gave me time, actually added time to my test, right? Yeah, that's good. And you did that till what time in the afternoon? So usually about six or so. Occasionally, once my, like I stayed at home, my parents would come home and cook dinner, uh, which makes it a lot easier on you, by the way, if you don't have to handle that kind of stuff. No regrets doing that. But when they would come home and start cutting on things and start cooking dinner and whatever, it got a little bit noisy, which is kind of funny being a, being the child and being like, oh, the parents are noisy. But uh, <laughs> because of that, you know, sometimes in the later evening, you know, I would kind of fall off and just kind of drag myself through the last little bit of what I needed to do. And then in the evening, I did pretty much nothing. Really? Uh, like, yeah. so... Like you stopped completely at six or yeah, seven? Yeah, so about or? six or seven, you know, day kind of ended. You know, maybe I watched like a video of something uh, relevant. Maybe I did um, just some like short little questions that were maybe like a sentence long, nothing like a U-World question. And other than that, you know, I was pretty much taxed. I tried to do more, but by the end of the evening, like I had just done so many questions that I did not have the brain capacity to keep doing it. And that was kind of a stamina game for me is, you know, basically every day I was taking a three fourths of the exam and putting yourself in that position. Right. So if you're doing all that material and reviewing it, uh, it can be kind of taxing. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. All right. What about actual like say review books when i was studying uh way back when i knew that my weak point was like biochem really wanted to shore up my knowledge of microbiology and immunology so i used rapid review for that and then goyan's uh, biochem uh book uh to to kind of to shore up my knowledge and understanding of those subjects. Uh, did you actually read any of the the hard copy or or whatever books uh, to relearn material or because you needed to really learn it the first time? Um, no. <laughs> Basically, okay. no. So all I, questions all the time. Yeah, I I know, and I that's you know I, I basically got to the point where I was thinking if it's worth writing a question about that's what I ought to focus on and not get dug down in like pathways of glycolysis when that's really not what the question is going to be about anyway. Yeah. Um, and like, don't get me wrong. You can spend three weeks reviewing embryology and then like you may be a rock star on that one question on the, on the exam that's embryology. And I, I, I'm not saying it's not worth it. Um, you'll be better for it, but you kind of have to like pick and choose your time so that you're, you're maximizing it for this exam. Uh, there's a PhD in every single one of these like fields or subjects that's on this exam. And you don't need to know it that well, right? Yeah. You need to know it from like a clinical perspective and what might be important. All right. Cool. So it's seven o'clock PM. You've done all your questions and then what you went to bed at eight. <laughs> oh, you know, basically had dinner, um, hung out, watched TV, maybe like I said, looked at something, 
watch like a show or something. Westworld was coming on like every Sunday when I was uh, studying. So that was like a huge deal for me. So I, I would be <laughs> awaiting that new episode to come out. And then I would just like pretty much retreat to go watch it. <laughs> and I enjoyed doing that. But otherwise, you know, I probably could have binge watched another show or something in the meantime. Uh, but I wasted a lot of that time. And really, it was just because my brain was so fried. I know people recommended looking at Pathoma videos and sketchy videos and beyond the boards videos and other boards and you, beyond. Oh, boards and beyond. Um, see, clearly I didn't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and that's great if you have the mental capacity to do it. I'll challenge you with that being you're not going to have a question on the exam that requires hitting the play button, sitting back and listening. You'll have to integrate whatever is going on. So if your brain's really taxed, like to me, it's time to turn off. Um, you're not going to yeah. get any more out of it. It's like studying at 3 a.m. for a test. Like if you're really lucky, it might get you might get that information right uh, on the exam but chances are you're just going to forget it anyway or not retain it right yeah um i guess the last component for this section would be define the sorts of things you did uh to stay in a good healthy mindset and have some balance so that you weren't completely fried so one you took a break at noon um you got up at the same time every day um, you defined your kind of daily study structure by, you know, having those four hours of question blocks and reviewing the answers in the morning. And then, uh, what else did you do? You meditated, <laughs> um, uh, any exercise, um, how did you treat sleep? Like things like that. What are the things you did, uh, not studying to help your examination preparation, uh, yeah. So sleep is a beautiful thing. And I'll focus on that for a minute because so I studied sleep in college, studied like how well people learn when they're not sleeping well. And then like I can I can like witness and from experience, like some people that I've seen just do really poorly, not necessarily because they aren't smart, but just because they're not really like focusing on something like that. They put off sleep because they need want to study or something. The people that I knew who would go to bed at four in the morning before the eight o'clock test in medical school, like they still like got by, but they were probably so brain fried um, by the time they were done with their test. I, I can't imagine they got all the points they could have if they had been more well rested. So I was really highly regulated with my sleep schedule. And if you can imagine, if I'm tapping out so early, you know, I had the time and opportunity to make sure that that was well regulated for me. You know, I had the noise machine. I had like a little like breathing exercise I would do. I'd meditate before bed as well. You know, all those little things to just get me into the mood to fall asleep and get back up and trudge through it again. And it gets so redundant. You forget which day of the week it is. Uh, and that's part of being dedicated. But once you get through it, and yeah, it's terrible. But once you get through it, it gets a little better. So uh, don't feel like it's the end of the world. Um, occasionally, you know, seeing friends, doing a couple things like 
going to a couple of parties, going to the beach, a few little things to like just kind of relax. Um, that was important for me. I did not schedule as much of that as I thought I would, or I scheduled, ended up doing more of that than I thought I would, and I don't regret it at all. Uh, and that gets back to the point where, you know, I had six weeks and I think my scores kind of tapped out around the third week. Obviously, I was learning more material to make sure I was more shored up on things in the the additional three weeks that I've spent studying. But my my scores on these kind of practice tests, they were all pretty much the same after that point. Um, and that just comes to the plateau and how hard it is to go even higher once you're there. Um, so don't feel like you can't keep going <laughs> if you do plateau. But for me, you know, I was really just shoring things up at that point, I think. And that made me really dial back a lot of what I was doing. All right. So just to summarize, you had some pre-prep with learning about how to take uh, multiple choice questions as they come uh, prior to your dedicated prep period. You made a schedule that worked for you and, and was conscious of your own kind of like personality prior to entering that dedicated prep time. You defined kind of a daily schedule and you focused almost exclusively on questions. So that was your, you know, content. And as far as learning, you know, the other extra content related uh, things like how to have good stamina on an exam that's super long, how to pace yourself, uh, you kind of solve those problems by at least once a week doing, you know, a good four hours of a practice type exam. And then for staying healthy, staying balanced, uh, you kept that schedule. You planned to have breaks both each day and at least, what, once a week uh, you took a day off completely? Yeah, or a half day or something like that. You know, usually when I got done with one of these assessments, I would just knock out like a review of it really quickly. You'll find the MBMEs don't really give you any explanation. So you really are just stuck with what's the right answer. It's up to you to dig in any more or less with that. So you do something like that. Uh, you take 200 questions and you knock it out before noon. You get your score and then pretty much I would give myself that afternoon always, always. And that's, that is super smart. It, all of this is really about mindfulness and intentionality. Um, if you don't plan the breaks, you're probably not going to take them. <laughs> if you don't plan uh, to cover biochem for three days, you just amorphously say, I need to cover biochem and cardiovascular uh, physiology and all the other subjects, um, you know, without defining the amount of time you're going to devote to them. It work expands to the time allotted to it. It's exactly. Parkinson's law, right? And that's why I use the Excel sheet to kind of outline my time. I use the number of questions to outline the number of days I'd spend on a subject. Um, and that sort of stuff kept me focused with my breaks and all kind of integrated in there. And I was probably overambitious and I didn't hit my goals, but because I was overambitious, it still worked out really well, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So if, if I say to do 200 questions and you only end up doing 150, like, oh gosh, that's just terrible. I know people are rolling their eyes as they listen to us, I'm sure. But yeah, and, and then like, you know, not really spending a lot of time doing notes and things, um, 
and then having an idea of what you what you're really going to be doing with a resource. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I did is when I started the RX QBank in the middle of my step or dedicated prep period, I wasn't sure how I was going to do it, Patrick. Like I had a hole punched copy of first aid that I could like pull pages from and like read them. And I thought I would like get a question wrong or something. And like I would pull the pages and read through them in the evening or something. And I fiddled with that for like two days and before just giving up on it completely. Like I said, you're not going to get questions necessarily right from just looking at the page on first aid anyway. Uh, So I think it works out. But you can waste time if you're not sure how you're going to want to set up and use that resource. But I swear, I probably did like 40 questions one day just trying to figure out the RxQ bank. And then I, I got done with the day and I was like, what have I done? Oh, just these 40 questions, right? But I had so, read like 50 pages of first aid. So you would say then don't introduce a new resource into your prep without understanding it prior to the dedicated period. Does that yeah, or kind of the at summary? At least have a plan ready for how you're going to utilize it. If it's going to be a QBank, I mean, you can probably just do it the same as you were before, but I was really thinking I would be, you know, kind of using the RX QBank to shore up the fact that I wasn't reading first aid. Like I ended up, you know, throwing away a day and a half playing around with it before I was like, no, I just need to use it the same way I used UWorld, right? Yep. All right. Any other advice on uh, what you would do differently? Yeah. Okay. So last thing, I really liked writing down these like dichotomies of like not common, but uh, very similar diseases, right? Things that are likely to be covered because they illustrate some learning points. Or yeah, exactly. Or like two diagnoses that are very similar you know, or two things of, you confuse all the time. Exactly. We've all got those. <laughs> and, and writing them out and like actually writing down what the what the main differences are, I think that can really help you. Um, again, I wouldn't waste too much time on it, but I swear I did one block of questions on like, so I swear I did one block of questions on uh, like hematology and I flipped literally every question about Burkitt lymphoma and follicular lymphoma. Like it just kind of happened. I don't know why it happened, but in my head, those two diseases were opposite for the time I took that block of questions. I <laughs> think that's pretty common too, because I can remember examples of things like that where I was like, wow, I got this perfectly wrong uh, because I remembered it perfectly incorrectly as maybe follicular lymphoma instead of Burkitt's. Yeah, exactly. And all it took was like, just the, like, I had the diseases correct, but I just had the names wrong on them. And I, I probably lost like eight questions <laughs> to that. And I was beating myself over the head. So like, that was sometimes like one of the few times I actually sat down on with like a whiteboard and like, outlined the differences and made like mnemonics and things to make sure I had an idea of what I was looking at. Right. And then the other yeah, thing I, I was going to say, it goes back to that uh, off repeated going on advice. Remember one. And then the other one is the other one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we harp on that a lot. Um, and then it gets to a point where if you're like really stressed about it, or you do go and miss an entire set on these and you're like, 
dang it, is it a complete or a partial mole? I don't know. Uh, you, you know, that kind of thing where, you, you know, eventually you'll have to make the decision of if you think it's important to learn or not separately, right? And, and then on the test, it will be outlined in such a way where you'll be kind of confused regardless, right? <laughs> so for that, that that's definitely a, a situation where I'd sit down and write a couple notes, usually not much, uh, but I would put some pen to paper just to give me something. And then the other thing I would write down were these like common buzzwords that kind of would lead to multiple diagnoses. And I think the boards really loves these. So like everyone's like they're getting away from buzzwords and things. And really they're not. They're just changing them to make them more like clinically applicable. And, and what you can do is like you can hear one of these things and you can go to that diagnosis uh, and they might actually trick you then because there might be two or three diagnoses that have this. Um, so I could think of like a, a wide mediastinum on x-ray, right? Uh, yeah. It can be a couple of different things and you might like really pin down on one and oops, nope, that's not it. Uh, for the actual test or uh, Marfanoid habitus. And you're like, oh, sweet. It's a uh, Marfan syndrome. And then no, it's no, <laughs> exactly. It's homocystinuria. And uh, you just like jump the gun there. Right. Um, yep. And, and like those things, I loved writing them down and like making sure I knew uh, what to think of and basically have a differential diagnosis. We did an episode where we talked um, I talked with someone who was telling us about how he had a good idea of differential diagnoses for step one, and that really helped him. And that kind of inspired me with those buzzwords to make sure I had a couple of different things ready to go when I heard one of the or read one of these terms that made me think of something. Um, and then I'm pretty sure I didn't use it at all on the exam. So, oh, well. <laughs> well, um, you know, I guess one thing too that's uh, uh, before we conclude this discussion. Um, what about the last week? What what did the last week look like? Same or or different? Basically, my last week was making up some of the questions that I had missed. So, or not missed, but like not gotten around to. Uh, like I said, I was overly ambitious, uh, so I purposely put some makeup time in here. Looks like Monday, Tuesday, Monday and Tuesday of that, the week before my test, I did questions. Uh, Wednesday, I took a sample exam, pretty much spent the afternoon playing video games. Um, what video game? Probably in 64 with my nephews. Nice. <laughs> uh, they're really into Super Smash Brothers. Um, Great game. Yeah. That's not N64, though. That's like we. Oh, the original one is in 64, though. <laughs> wow, that's hardcore. That's, uh, yeah. that's pretty cool. <laughs> so, okay, let, let's just outline this. So, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, each morning I got up and took an exam. <laughs> okay. Right, 200. Eight, 200, okay. Yeah, so, well, the sample exam was short. It was 120, and then I added, like, 80 firecracker questions to it just to shore it up. I took a simulation on RX. I took MBME 19, which was actually, no, I think MBME 18 was actually dead on my score um, for those of you who care about that sort of thing. And then Saturday and Sunday, 
I did not do a daggum thing. Yeah. I printed my test confirmation. <laughs> so I'd had that ready to go. All right. Well, there you have it. Stuart's experience, uh, what he would do or what he did and what he would do differently for his USMLE step one study. Uh, Stuart, did you meet the goal that you had for a uh, score? I mean, within reason, you know, like I think my score, my goal score kind of shot up as time went on. And then like, you know, I think I'm one of those people who's never going to settle for something. Uh, so if, if you make a really good grade, you might think, well, like I could have made just a tiny bit higher kind of thing. Not complaining. You know, some people are just never satisfied, right? Uh, yeah, that's a lot of us in med med school. But again, from the perspective of an attending who is far beyond at this point from uh, undergraduate medical education, probably good to learn uh, to know yourself, to learn about yourself, learn to be comfortable with meeting a goal and resting in that moment, knowing you achieved what you set out to do and not always looking for more. Some things have to be enough. And I will but, tell you this. Uh, in yeah. my first year, you know, just talking with uh, people, like I kind of made up this stupid goal that I was like, I'm going to get this on the exam. I think that would be good, right? I'll just do that. That's with like not knowing anything, right? You know, first month of medical school. And I actually was within the uh, the variance of that score somehow. <laughs> So that worked out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. All right, got anything else? Nope. We got some step two content, and we've got a Cubane thing coming out. And otherwise, we're rocking and rolling, right? Yep. And actually, quite literally, too, um, we are rocking and rolling. At least I am. Um, I'm executively producing uh, the second album for this band I love called Set to Stun, which is metalcore, pretty hardcore stuff. So um, there's a disclaimer if you're into that, I am. But yeah, I mean, on this podcast, we, we do rock and roll. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, uh, talk to you next time. We'll cover what you wish you had known before approaching your step one study all right sounds good patrick thanks today's music is thanks to matt tiber from the bunny the bear who also edited this episode of the inside the boards podcast i probably should have put this song into an episode on pulmonology because of the line when my lungs become cavities of dust not even death will replace what we've lost. It would have been a really good memory anchor for tuberculosis or aspergillus infection because both have cavitary lesions on a chest x-ray. At any rate, this track is Secondhand Smoke off the Bunny the Bear's 2017 album, The Way We Rust. Listen wherever you stream music. <laughs>